0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash
1: awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. and of course, plenty of rum. Head to visit barbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan.
0: Online and on DAB Digital Radio, Darren Goff's Cricket Week
2: on Top Sport 2. Hello and welcome to the Darren Gough Cricket Week. And boy, oh boy, have we got a show for you. But where do we start? I'll tell you what, how about with England getting bowled out for 58 and losing the first test against New Zealand?
3: We didn't adapt quickly enough to the situation and the, the conditions. And that is very disappointing because we are, you know, we're used to the ball seeming around, we're used to it swinging, and no stays did anyone get themselves in and and we didn't create any partnerships.
1: And if you think the fallout from that is going to be severe well what about them Aussies eh?
3: I'm embarrassed, I know the boys in the shed are embarrassed as well Um, and I I feel for Cam as well Um, it's not what we want to see in the game, it's not what the Australian cricket team's about.
2: Well we're going to hear from Kim Hughes, Steve Armisen Marcus North and plenty of other top names and I'm going to give the Aussies both barrels as well.
1: And in the last hour of the show, we're going to be joined by a man who does know how to
4: score runs in New Zealand, former England and Middlesex man Nick Compton. Managed to get off the mark, and and I saw Dad down at Fine Leg. He always had a way of sort of hiding behind a tree or a bush. Or (laughs) If you're looking at where the players and wives sit, he'd be at the opposite end of the spectrum. Saw him down at Fine Leg, and I remember after every over, just... There was kind of a, it became like a mental routine. I just peered over there, and he had a little little fist that just kept pointing at me, going what? and clapping every now and then. I think that hundred was very special because have him there in the corner of the eye, sort of guiding me through it. Um, so yeah, very very special.
2: You're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talksport Two. Well, what a week we've had, and uh, with me as usual is John Norman. He's in New Zealand. What a test match uh, to start with. Let's just be honest about it, John. New Zealand have just absolutely battered England.
1: Uh, look, I tell you what, Goffe. New Zealand was the place to be in the last uh, 24 hours or so because I've never seen New Zealand cricket fans and journalists here uh, with bigger smiles on their faces because, uh, one... They've just bowled England out for 58 and beaten, beaten us fair and square, Eden Park. And two, uh, no nation in the world is enjoying the ball-tampering saga that has been taking place in South Africa more than the Kiwis. They are still fuming about the old underarm gate back in whenever that was, 81 or whatever. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a happy place to be if A, you're a Kiwi, and B, you like cricket.
2: <laughs> You're not kidding. Watching it, to be fair, um, it's gone into the fifth day, and England will probably use that card, as they used in Australia, plenty of times, every test going five days. Well, this one's gone five days. That'll, <laughs> that'll be the positive spin from everybody we've involved in English cricket. No, it's not. We got battered. It wouldn't have gone two and a half days if it wasn't for rain.
1: Uh, absolutely. Look, uh, well, look, you know, I posed a question earlier today, uh, whilst you're probably still sleeping, actually, um, to all of our uh, th- hundreds of thousands of uh, Cricket Week followers. What do you want us to start talking about? You know, because so much has happened in the last week. Do you want to talk about 58 All Out? Do you want to talk about uh, Sandpaper Gate? Do you want to <laughs> talk about the uh, World Cup qualifiers? Or do you want to talk about the North versus South game? Finally, hey, Don't enough,
2: forget, John. <laughs> Don't forget, oh. England ladies. Danny Wyatt um, produced an absolutely gem of an innings, 124 to beat India record score, the second highest uh, uh, sc- score of uh, individual score ever, and the ice by an English lady. So well done, Danny Wyatt. Let's not forget that.
1: Uh, oh well, we'll look. We'll talk about that, and we'll talk about the PSL final, which had a couple of England players uh, participating. Actually, yes, had three. England players participating in a professional game of cricket in Pakistan. So, look, we have got so much to talk about on the show. Um, But look, we're we're an England cricket show, so yes, we're going to be talking about ball tampering. um, And I am fascinated to get your views on it. But shall we start with England? Uh, Well, look, first up, Goffey, 58 all out. I mean, England were bowled out in 90 minutes plus four minutes added time. You know before the first break on day one, and for me, it seems that finally questions NASA Hussain for instance, uh, in the Daily Mail questions are being asked about what Trevor Bayliss actually brings to this test side
2: nothing nothing and and the worst thing for me um with it with it all is but you've got this new selection uh, committee they're going to be coming in Andrew Strauss is going to be interviewing for a main guy he then picks an assistant and they make up a three-man selection committee with Trevor Bayliss what's the point? he's not going to be here much longer he's already admitted he don't watch much county cricket so how can he get out there and about and watch some of the cricketers if he has the final say well he shouldn't have a say He should not have a say. Let's be honest about it. He doesn't see the players. And they see it from tunnel vision. Same with Joe Root as the captain. He should not have a say on who he takes Mm. out there. He is an international cricketer who plays international cricket very well most of the time. Let's be fair to him. But he doesn't get to see the players. He should have no say in it. No say. Uh, You know what, Goffey? Joe Root,
1: if he played for Yorkshire... I would say that he should have a say in selection. Of
2: course. Agreed. No, no, that's what I'm saying. He doesn't play for Yorkshire. Exactly. That's the point.
1: Exactly. But he could play for Yorkshire. He can't he's not playing in the Indian Premier League. Joe Root should go and play for Yorkshire for two or three games and actually come up against some of the players that he will either be batting with or asking to bowl for him. As it is, Joe Root and Trevor Bayliss, time after time, are asked about players. They don't understand because they've never seen them. And when it comes down to it, who are the players that Joe Root has has gone for? He's gone for his Yorkshire teammates
2: yeah, because it, he's it, seen them. He went for balance um, and now he's not even in the test squad to New Zealand. So, yeah, that that ended up being a wasted uh, pick. Uh, Baylis uh, 100% uh, went for Mason Crane um, over Rashid and over Jack Leach. Um, it was his pick. I know that 100%. Um, So the two picks made by coach and captain um, probably uh, didn't go down too well. And that's what I'm saying to you. Now, if they were going to go around and Trevor Bayliss, if he carries on into the summer, and he's going to go around on every day off and go watch, go watch county cricket, because he's picked players to come into that side who he said he'd not seen. Now, come on. We (laughs) can't be having that situation from any coach or any captain. They should... Have no responsibility whatsoever unless they're going to go around and watch these cricketers. Now I don't expect Joe Root, because I won't want to do it. If he's captain, so much on his plate, terrific cricketer, to be going round on his days off and watching cricketers. If he wants that responsibility to be able to go and pick his own players, he's got to go and do that. That is management. You cannot just say because someone else told you, but he's a good player. Oh yeah, let's pick him. I played against him <laughs> on a, on a flat pitch, and he got hundred and fifty. Made our bowlers look average. That doesn't mean he's a good player. There's county cricketers in both divisions, at uh, big and small counties, who are getting hundreds. There's bowlers, at uh, the, big and small counties, don't matter where you play, who are getting six fours and seven fours. There's spinners all around the country taking wickets. You have got to get to know them individually. You've got to watch them week in week out to get a judgment call on the player's personality, his passion, his training ability and the way he plays. You've got to know the all-round person before he eventually gets a call into an England team. You can't just go on a couple of performances and say, let's pick him.
1: Did England underestimate New Zealand, do you think? Uh, Were their preparations up to standard?
2: I don't think... No, I think that's just the way they want to do it now. They don't want to work too hard. They want to get there, they want to get there, play a little warm-up game when they can all have two and three innings each, and then play a test match. The preparation, as I said all along has been pathetic now for the last two, three years. I admit they play a lot of one-day cricket, but do they play that much test cricket where they can't go and have a proper warm-up game? They've just had six weeks of one-day cricket and they expect Alistair Cook, who's been lambing just down the road from me here, to go out there against a pink ball and have a couple of practice knocks and say, right, I'm ready for a test match. That's not the case. Just think about this for a minute. This is like England football team not having a game between now and the World Cup. Go out there, play one game, yeah? Mm. And then play in a World Cup qualifier. Can you imagine how much stick they'd get? It just wouldn't well, happen. It, was... it wouldn't happen. But this, is,
1: this is the thing with football, okay? Whether you're playing in England or you're playing in Italy or you're playing in parts of Africa or you're playing in Russia or you're playing in America uh, or you're playing in New Zealand, do you know what? It doesn't really make much difference, you know, unless you're playing five thousand meters above sea level in in Bolivia. Um, when you play a game of football, it doesn't really matter where you play it. The no, preparation, it bit, though, the preparation can, can, is still good, no, though. Yeah, well, exactly. So they prepare properly, even when actually the different climates that they play in doesn't actually have that much of a bearing on the match itself. The best team will normally win. In cricket, it's the complete opposite. Mm. You know, how can you go to India? How can you you go to India, okay, as England did, and your warm-up is playing two tests against Bangladesh? How is that even possible? (laughs) You know, you go to Australia and you play against guys that aren't even playing state cricket because the big bash is on. And then you come to New Zealand and you play a four-day game, two days of pink ball, two days of red, and you you come to an agreement before you even go out there, oh, we won't bowl today, so if you bowl us out, we're just going to have another bat. The score at the end of day one was like 215 for for
2: 13. That's what I'm saying to you. And I just think... um, it needs a real sit-down and to re-jig everything that's been going on in our cricket. Now, I do think Andrew Strauss is, do- is doing some good stuff. I really do. But <laughs> the performances, our last 12 Test matches now away from home, how mm. many have we been beat? We talked about this last week. Ten. Ten. Be- yeah been beaten by an innings, it's now getting an embarrassment, we've lost by an innings and 49 again today against New Zealand, now I look at that attack in New Zealand, yeah Trent Bolt is a fantastic bowler he swings the ball mid-130s you you look at Wagner mid-130s, swings the ball you look at Southie, he probably slowest of the three, swings the ball, he has good days and bad days, He's, he, he probably wouldn't get in England's Test 11. I don't think England would pick him uh, for the matches he's played for New Zealand. Now, our bowling attack, we talked about Australia, the attack is very much the same old, same old. They're all yeah. the same. So, what do we do? We Wokes has come back from an injury. Uh, sorry, Overton's come back from an injury. He's bowled 13 overs in a warm up game, and we suddenly, after Woods played all this cricket, leading up to it, he was going to be the man that coming to the test side who's going to be different to Wolks, Anderson and Broad. What do we do? We pick Overton. Exactly the same. What is the point? We're not well, doing anything. He's... The team was picked for this test match before a ball was bowled with those practice matches. So what was the point of having a practice match? Livingston, 80, in the first warm-up game when everybody else were foiling around them when the ball was doing a little bit. He's not even got a sniff in this test. What's the point?
1: We're going to be talking about this. Uh, I want to talk about whether England need to uh, make changes for the second Test match. Um, We're going to be talking about the variety, uh, not for the first time, of New Zealand's attack versus ours. Uh, And we're going to be hearing from Trevor Bayliss and from Trent Bolton, Joe Root, and uh, some of the other main protagonists from another chastening uh, away defeat for England. In New Zealand this time, they've lost by an innings and 49 runs. And the fallout starts here, really, on Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2.
0: Online and on DAB Digital Radio, Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport2.
1: Michael Vaughan on Twitter, Goffy, Cape Town antics have taken England off the radar, but let's be honest, a team with more resources than most and more talent than most to have now lost 9 out of 10 away from home. Five of them by an innings, simply not good enough. Uh, let's, hear from, uh, let's hear from Trevor Bayliss first. Um, speaking after day one, of course, England bowled out for 58.
4: Good conditions uh, this morning. A little bit of green grass on the wicket as well. It look, looks like a really good wicket now. Um, yeah look nothing out of the ordinary though that you wouldn't expect you know on the first day of a you know, of a test match we can work as hard as we possibly can and they have been working hard you know um, in the nets and at the, the these practice games that we've been playing look today we were just you know not just off a little bit we we're off a long way today it just wasn't good enough
1: Uh, And Joe Root uh, agreeing that 58 at the end of the day cost England.
3: We weren't good enough, um, simple as that really. Um, It's very difficult to get back into a test match after such a poor start and we have to learn some lessons quickly. You know, more than anything it's, it's, I suppose, making sure that we adapt quicker. Um, We knew that it might swing and seam around and, and, you know, we didn't deal with it very well.
1: Uh, And let's hear from Joe Root uh, praising the character uh, from his batsman on day five.
3: You know the character of the the dressing room um, was was eff- and the efforts today were were fantastic. You know, go into a day like today, and you ask the guys to to show on how much it means to play for England and play for your country, and uh, I thought today was a, a great example of you know the uh, the guys' determination and desire to to represent their country.
1: Uh, Cliches, really, coffee. Um, you no know, laugh?
3: know Is he having no, no. no well,
1: exactly. I mean, wh- why do you need to ex- why do you need to sit down? And talk about the, the pride in playing for your country on day five. You know, well, I, that doesn't make any sense when to me. When it's not and day Ashley's five, let's lazy. be honest.
2: Johnny, Johnny, let's be honest about well, this. Well, day We're, three. Day three. The pitch is at its best. It's yeah. flat. It was, it was flat, flat today. <laughs> it was. And we just you know, got over 300. That's 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 just a normal average score. New Zealand have just smashed 400 and odd. I mean to show fight for your country because we got a what what would you say a below average score in the second mm-hmm. innings because it's only yeah. the third day I'm sorry I'm I'm so frustrated by it all I really really am it's just sad to see we're better than this surely or am I just being too passionate about it and saying we're better than it. Are we not better than this? I don't I don't know. I look at the players we have. Ben Stokes, Joe Root, Alistair Cook, record breaker, Jimmy Anderson, Stuart Broad, that part opening partnership. And we just got played off the park time and time again this winter in Test Match Cricket. People keep telling me how great a cricketer Wokes is and I think he is a much improved cricketer from what he was two years ago. And he was our best cricketer a couple of seasons ago in, the, in, in England. He's done brilliant in the one-dayers. We get back to a test match and his bowling looks average again. What, well, What is well,
1: going on? Well, you talk about average. Wokes overseas average Against Australia, 49. Against India, 81. Against South Africa, 98. He doesn't have an average against New Zealand because he didn't take a wicket. Now... I asked you before this first test, should England drop Wokes and play Leach? Um I'll ask you again. For the second test match, should England drop Overton and Wokes for Wood and Leach?
2: Well, I would have said I wouldn't have played Stokes uh, because... Is he a better batsman than Livingston? Is he a better batsman than Vince? But as he's proven in the second innings, <laughs> he's he, he probably better than some of our batsmen anyway. So, um, <laughs> even though he's our all-rounder, and he, and he only averages just over 30 with a bat, he probably deserves a start in just for his batting, if he's fit. Now, if he's not 100% fit, Stokes, I,
1: he I, can't play. I'm not play. sure. I, I've, I've got a feeling, mate. I mean, I was following Bumble. I saw Bumble the other day, actually. We were having a good old, good old catch-up. But, um... He thinks uh, Stokes has aggravated his back. Well, there, so he, well, there he, we
2: go. How can he play if he's not hundred percent fit? What is that telling the rest of the group? But we're going to play a guy who's eighty percent fit. He can't bowl. Mm. He's got a dodgy back, but he's going to. He's better. I'm backing him to get more runs than Vince, and I'm backing him to get more runs than Livingston, who are the mm. two that could come in. It's a sad state of affairs, really. Let's be honest about it. Isn't isn't it
1: as simple as this, Gothy? This is a good England team in English conditions, where you can get away with a part-time spinner and four accurate right-arm seamers. But when you go away, you need something else. And if England haven't worked that out by now, then I don't know when they're going to work it out. Yeah,
2: job for the boys, though. I mean, how are you going to say, right, this is the problem you have, though, Johnny, in this? Have we got someone strong enough to say, oh, yeah, you've just done brilliant, Bowling at Edgbaston and bowling at Lords when it's swinging mm. around and there's cloud cover in Headingley, but do you know something? This winter we're going to Sri Lanka, so sorry mate, but we're not going to take you. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine? Let, let's 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 be in defence of the uh, players here. Can you imagine the press? Most of the press. If we didn't pick, if Woltz was our top w- wicket taker this summer, which he could mm. be in uh, English conditions against Pakistan and India, and then we say to him, mate. We're looking at your overseas record, and sorry, mate, but your record ain't standing up, so we're not going to take you to Sri Lanka. He'd sulk. He'd (laughs) sulk. He'd get his friends in the media, if, if he's got friends in the media, to say what is going on, England selection. But that's what they've got to do. You're right. This is what we've got to do. So, sorry, mate. The stats back it up. You've bowled in Sri Lanka. You've bowled in Australia. You've bowled in India. Wherever it may be, your average is stacking up. Sorry, mate. You're an English bowler. We're going to play you in England until that you get better at bowling on flat pitches in the longer form of the game. Because at the minute, it's not working.
1: I tell you what, Coffey, uh, and you uh, speak to a former bowler yourself. Isn't it always the way? You know, England were bowled out for 58, and we are talking about dropping bowlers.
2: Oh no, I'm just but no, but we are. But I've also said well, it's a sad state of affairs. Sad state of an mm. affair when we've got Livingston and Vince. I'm not saying Vince is the answer, by the way. That was an odd selection in itself.
1: Well, it was an odd selection because he didn't
2: play all summer, so we can go on that. But so they bring Livingston in, right? Who we had to make a change. The drop balance, who didn't play a test match in Australia. To be fair to him. <laughs> He just oh, no. went for the holiday. So he got dropped having not played a game. He got the blame for England's top five or six failing to get any runs. Let's be fair to, Let's be fair to balance on this. I can't slaughter balance for that. He didn't get a chance. Now, they dropped him and said, tell you what, we're going to bring in Livingston now to carry the drinks just so we get a new face in. Because Livingston should have played this first test.
1: Mm. Well, so should Leach, surely. You know, Todd Astle... He's a, he, I saw one, one tweeter describe him as a part-time uh, as a club bowling l- leggy you know Todd Astor he's played two games for New Zealand and he ends up taking three wickets in that second innings and um, you know Johnny Bairstow one of them so it wasn't just tail-enders it's, surely you give Jack Leach his opportunity in this second test at Christchurch surely England go into that match Trying something different because the stats will tell you. In the last twelve matches, they've gone in with the part-time spinner, the four right armers, and they've lost ten out of twelve. And they haven't won those other two, by the way. They've drawn them.
2: Yeah, well, well, Ali, um yet again has uh, disappointed. If we're going to be honest, uh, mm. w- with with the ball. What's it? No wickets again. Didn't get a run um, in both innings really. If we're going to mm. be if we're going to be fair, 28's not good enough. If you're going to play as an out-and-out batsman who can bowl a little bit, Joe Root got more wickets again uh, in this match, and got more wickets on tour than alley has got. So Leach has to come in, but I I don't know how they're going to do it. The problem they've got now is Stokes can't bowl. The old team has got. The only way is they have to keep Wokes in the side, and he has to take Stokes' place. It has to be for the good of the team, but we have to get but, another spinner in. But
1: but hang on, because New Zealand have come in with... Um, well, I suppose Colin to Granholm can bowl, can bowl a few overs, can't he? They've got uh, Southie and Bolt, their, their new ball partnership. Then they've got Wagner, the the, the uh, short-pitched, bouncing-in merchant. Um, but surely England could go into a game with New Zealand with Broad and Anderson and uh, Mark Wood as first change or even taking the new ball so three fast bowlers and an out-and-out spinner in Leach and then you've got Ali as, as a backup
2: yeah the, the issue we've got now whatever's happened to Broad's batting he still can be effective when he's swinging the bat and have a slog um, but the, the, the mental uh, game of his batting has gone now Broad is an excellent cricketer and he has been for a long time. And he should be getting, I know it sounds harsh on him, but he should be getting more runs than he's had. But his mentally is gone when it comes to the batting. He just I swings at the bat, and that's how he plays. Now, if he was, well, he was batting jump, as well. He's jumping
1: out the way. Yeah, wasn't he? he's yeah, jumping yeah. out the way of Wagner yeah. towards the end.
2: That's what I'm saying to you. So if he could bat the way we all know in the country, Stuart Broad could bat, this wouldn't be even an issue. So now we're selecting him just as an out and out bowler. Where we could should be selecting him as an all rounder because he's batting, he's mentally gone when it comes to the batting. Although he can still smack a good fifty here and there, we showed that, you know, we saw that in Australia. He's got an amazing talent to be able to bat, but mentally he's gone. And, and I agree. If they don't play Leach and Livingston in the next game, oh, there's going to be absolute hell on that. there really, really is. <laughs> they they have to, they have to play. They really do. And. We now know, we said this after the Ashes, there's a few people playing for their test careers in um, New Zealand. Now, There's, a, I reckon there's at least five. At least five. If they don't come up with the goods in the including second Cook. test... Including Cook. Including Cook. If they don't come up with the goods in the second test, I will be hugely disappointed. Come the first test against Pakistan at Lords, I'll be hugely, hugely disappointed if they all start, purely because they've got an amazing record. It can't happen anymore. It's time to change. We've got to build for the future. We've got to build mm. for this we've winter. We've got an next year. Yeah, we've got to build for the winter. We really, really have. And find the players that are going to perform in England and abroad. Now, I hate doing this, but I'm going to do it. You look at my career. I averaged the same abroad as I did in the UK. And I'm not in the same breath as probably Broad and Anderson. But I was good in all conditions.
1: I, I disagree, but carry well, on.
2: You, it's me saying cer- it i would good I know, in all conditions I'd certainly
1: say you were in you were definitely in the same breath as those, as those two
2: well in all conditions now how can we not be developing bowlers in all conditions how how is that happening how is it really really happening now we pick bowlers to suit us in certain conditions we went to pakistan and we went to sri lanka and they picked me reverse swing we picked kadik tall swing mm. bowler good with the new ball we picked craig white Reverse swing, skiddy through the air, quick through the air. We did things different. We picked Ashley Giles, who bowled over the wicket and made it frustrating for the opposition. We tried to do things differently, right? I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. It's just set pick the same bowlers who will run up at a line and length. I'm sorry, on flat pitches, on good pitches, you need more than that. You cannot just run up, knit a seam and it line and length and expect to get 20 wickets in a test match. New Zealand have just proven that today. Mm. This is New Zealand. Small little island. You know more about it than me. They've picked Wagner, who I'll guarantee you, would he get in England's team? Just think about this from a selection's point of view. Would they pick Wagner? No.
1: No. But there is variety to that New Zealand attack. And, you know... More often than not, maybe it won't work, but it certainly worked this time. The swing of bat, Bolt, you know, the uh, Southie in the seam, the short-pitch stuff from Wagner, and they've got a leggy in there as well. So um, it's worked. Uh, Goffey, plenty more to talk about. We're going to get Nick Compton, uh, well, Nick Compton, uh, England and Middlesex man, is going to be in the studio a bit later on, so we'll get his thoughts on, on uh, where it's all gone wrong for England. He is a man who knows how to score centuries in New Zealand. Um, and we're going to be talking about ball tampering, and I cannot wait. You're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2.
0: Online and on DAB Digital Radio, Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2.
1: Uh, Where were you, Goffy, when uh, you either flicked on the TV or you had a look at your phone, went on the internet to see that Steve Smith and Cameron Bancroft had turned up at a post-match press conference and admitted to not just cheating, uh, not just ball tampering, but actually sitting in the dressing room and coming up with a plan to do so uh, and then going out onto the field of play to carry it out in front of the world and all his cameras?
2: Well, (laughs) it's an amazing, amazing story. And I think... I'm. I'll go as far as to say they all await some amazing stories but they've come out and um, and admitted it um, as they did and it, well I mean were, uh, to be fair I mean Bancroft for wherever uh, we'll have an opinion on him later he had mm-hmm. nowhere to hide on all this let's be honest about it <laughs> and, and let's just get it straight out of the way but we've been talking about people trying to get the ball to swing or to reverse swing the best possible ways to do it since I can remember, when I came mm-hmm. into the test game, we were playing against Pakistan, the ball were reversing left, right and centre, um, I were doing it, I was part of a test match at Lords when Mike Atherton got done for putting a bit of dirt on the ball, um, yeah. we've seen uh, teams eating more sweets than you can shake a stick at. <laughs> Uh, to get the ball to shine or whatever. Jelly uh, beans. Yeah, jelly bean gate, wine gum gate, extra strong <laughs> mince gate. Uh, we've had <laughs> every single thing to do it, but this, for me, took the biscuit. I could Why? not believe what I was seeing using. Why? Well, sandpaper, basically. So dirt <laughs> on the ball and a bit of tape, sticky tape, given to the youngest player on the side because. Nobody would suspect him, fielding at short leg, to scratch the ball. That's basically what they were doing. That goes back to bottle top gate. I forgot that one. (laughs) This this is as bad. I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable. Is it it that they
1: use sandpaper, or is it that they sat round a table? uh, I imagine there was a table involved. At
2: lunchtime, Um,
1: yeah. at At the lunch break, the captain... His vice captain, and up to now unnamed members members of a leadership leadership group, and they came up with an idea that uh, incorporated the youngest member of the side in terms of experience, and they went out and premeditated. They decided to cheat. Mm. Is in all of your years as a player, and in all of your years as a broadcaster, have you ever? heard of that situation taking place?
2: No. Um, and the way I will put it, I've been part of many England teams, um, yes we've discussed we need to get the ball reversing we've seen people throw the ball into the ground, we see it in county cricket now every single week People are not. this is not alien to anybody we see it wherever you go in the world, the umpires are, are quite strict on it now um, telling the uh, players whenever they do it more than once to get the ball into the gloves of the wicketkeeper. I remember playing against one county, I'll not name them, but it doesn't take, who had huge success in the 90s, who used to, uh, when the ball went um, onto the youth pitchers. Uh, at their ground, the fielders used to just give it a little bit of a, um, an extra wipe on the floor on the dry pitches. That got found out. That got stopped. I've seen a player scratch the ball in the um, bat on the boundary edge, and it goes into the uh, foot rest, no, the um, the foot thing mm-hmm. around the the side, and he's got done for that. In the past, I've seen so many things, but this one, as I said to you. Absolutely. Walkie talkies involved, uh, <laughs> sandpaper pulling it down his trousers and everything that goes with it. And what makes me laugh about it all, and it is it's come back to bite you on the backside, hasn't it? Warner. Do you remember Warner doing the interview? Yep. Slaughtering Fafta for ball yep. tampering back yep. in twenty sixteen. He said he said, and I'll quote Australia would never do the same as Duplessis has just done. Well, mate, we've had it all in this series South Africa uh, versus Australia, and this is my biggest worry. It's not just the ball tampering, it's not going and crossing that line we have. We've had send offs, we've had sledging, we've had off field fist fights. That was obviously one of our <laughs> um, um, players. We've had uh, barging into players on the field, we've had. St- On the stairs, walking off at tea time, attempted fistfights, personal abuse. It's just going on and on and on. We've got to start and take some responsibility as cricketers ourselves. But I think what is happening, and people won't like this, we are turning into the other sports for one reason. A lot of money has come into professional cricket And players are getting the same attitude as other sports have got. They're driving around now. And I'm nothing against this because they deserve it. It's an hard game, cricket. I played it. It's an hard game to bowl. They're getting paid, driving around in Ferraris. They're turning into footballers, basically. Let's be honest about it. They're turning Mm. into footballers. There's no rules. It's anything goes.
1: (laughs) Well look, the rules seem to be set by the Aussies and this is why uh, so many people have been watching on aghast at this series because and I, let me quote from uh, the King Cricket which is a a, a cricket website that I read And it says this. If you set yourselves up as whiter than white, as moral arbiters of the sport, you will be judged against that standard. And this is the problem for me, for Australia, because when you have David Warner coming out and saying that he couldn't imagine an Australian team pool tampering, when you have David Warner coming out and suggesting that um, other teams go beyond the line um, by criticising the wives of players... When you have Darren Lehman, a man who called upon the entire uh, cricket uh, public to boo and chastise and criticise and shout at Stuart Broad in 2013. When you have him coming out and saying that South African crowds have been disgraceful, when you yourself are the ones setting the standards uh, or trying to, even though we know exactly what kind of team they are on the field, when you are shown to be cheating in the manner that they have done, then you deserve every single bit of criticism that is going to be levelled at you. Now, the criticism is one thing, Goffey, but the punishment is something else. Now, we know Steve Smith has been banned for a test. We know Cameron Bancroft hasn't. But, as we speak, the wigs from Cricket Australia are flying to South Africa. Oh, so the question is this. What punishment is befitting of this crime?
2: It's going to be massive. It's going to be massive, this. It really is. This is not going to be one test ban, I- I'm-, I'm telling you now. I'm, I'm only uh, predicting where I think. This is my own personal opinion. Mm. And I think there's more to come out of this, because Steve Smith, obviously, is take- he has to take the main responsibility for his team actions he's in charge right he's in charge it's not like in rugby remember Bloodgate with a rugby Yeah, the coach yeah. is the one who takes took it all really and the yeah. player that did it but the coach is the one who lost his job and everything went with it now for some reason in cricket it's the captain and he has to take the responsibility for his team's actions what I will ask about these Australians all being strong personalities and all played a game the beautiful way which we keep hearing not one of them not one of this leadership group took a stand. Now, I've been in plenty of meetings, and I've been part of a leadership group, and someone always stood up and had a different opinion to someone else. We didn't just all agree on something. For something as bad as this, was, go- they were planned to do at lunchtime, mm. right? I'm sorry, as a team sport, they ask everyone has to know. The leadership group obviously took the stance, and no one stood up to them and then they told the rest of the group they were going to do it. That, for me, has to have happened. The old team has to be on board with this. Get the ball to Bancroft. Get the ball to Bancroft. Having been a cricketer, premeditated cheating, blatant cheating, it's a disgrace and it will not be accepted, this one, by anyone. They will not let this go. As you said, Australia's whiter than white, whiter than white. Now, they will, the cricketing world will not let this go. And I cannot believe not everyone knew about it. You've got the coach. You've got Anscombe on the walkie-talkie. You've got everybody <laughs> discussing what was happening, getting the ball to him. There is going to be heads to roll in this. And I'll promise you now, the the main guys in it, the leadership group, whether the players, will get a massive ban. This is going to be huge. This is not going to be one game. This is going to be p- possibly a whole series. A whole Do series. You...
1: Do you have any sympathy for Cameron Bancroft?
2: Yeah. It's kind of bullying. Pick the youngest player, the one who's most vulnerable, the one who's only played seven test matches. Of course. If he's a young lad going into the side, depending on what sort of personality he is, we've already been told he's not the brightest. Remember from Mm. Bookgate, Ed Bookgate. I mean, we've got more gates on this show than anything. And he was there (laughs) laughing, and he comes across as a bit of a you know what I mean mm. it's a bit of a fun and they've said tell you what mate you go out with that and you take responsibility whatever made them think in this day and age with the amount of cameras you've got stump mics you've got cameras everywhere the money the broadcasters put in to put in on a great show on television whatever possessed them to think they could get away with using some sticky tape with dirt on it to, to make the ball reverse Seriously. Whatever thought they would get away with that.
1: What about those who say that it's been going on since the dawn of time? Um, You know, this year, Pakistan will visit us. taking
2: sandpaper out?
1: (laughs) Well, maybe not taking sandpaper. But this year... Um, 2018, we are going to be visited by Pakistan uh, for two tests and then India by five. Oh, and the Aussies are going to be here as well, by the way, for a five-match ODI series. Uh, That'll be interesting. But there will be, and I'm not going to name names, but if you type into Google a couple of very famous Pakistani um, legends, um, you will see that they've been linked to, in their time as players, match-fixing. Now, they will be paraded on TV and spoken about and their feats and uh, their their, their brilliances... They were as, banned. Uh,
2: That's cheating. And they were banned. They were banned for... went to prison, a couple of them.
1: Well, I'm not even talking about Mohammed Amir. You know, <laughs> they're, they're, within our great game, there are so many links to match-fixing and spot-fixing, which, for me, is a far worse crime than what Steve Smith and his idiot mates have got up to. Is there not a danger that we're overreacting because a we don't like the Aussies um and b i mean they've been particularly idiotic but in the grand scheme of things in a game which is just mired with with spot fixing and match fixing uh, a sport which can't even do a, put on a world cup properly um we're focusing on something that actually isn't as important as the back pages suggest
2: mm. I know where you're coming from, and I, I mentioned all the things earlier about people using sweets, and they're saying, well, there's nothing against the law in using your saliva to get the best con- the ball in the best condition. Obviously, the sweet and the sugar content it has on in it probably helps, if we're going to be honest. And I've said mm. this many a time. I've never understood why cricketers are allowed to go out on the field with a pocket full of sweets. I've said that. What What is the case in that? What, why is it allowed? I've gone out there with sweets in the past as well, probably because I just like to eat them, um, if I'm going to be <laughs> fair. But we've seen it in time and time again. 2005 was talked about in every single cricket. I remember Trez and all them mm. guys. Their pockets were full of extra strong mints back then, and then it were jelly beans against India, um, <laughs> whatever it may be. And I remember... Uh, one bowling coach telling me when I was a younger, I first go into the side, Lipsil on your trousers, brilliant, shines the ball yeah. up beautifully. So, yeah, it's been going on for years, I- I'm with you. But seriously, mate, premeditated cheating to go out there and put that thing in your pocket and then try to hide it. And everybody <laughs> thinks it's a joke on the balcony, on walkie talkies to the 12th man, sending him out and saying it's on the big screen, be careful, hide it. And then don't they think the cameras are then <laughs> going to follow Bancroft and watch him take it out of his pocket and put it down his trousers. Come oh. on. It was all a joke at the time. I didn't think they thought it was going to blow up uh, nah. to the way it did. Well, but this is the case it's blown up as well is, as I said to you, look what happened to Fafter Plessy in Australia for using a suite. Using a suite to get the saliva mm. to shine the ball. Yeah, Look what happened and the backlash it, that happened with him. Well, this is the same. This is him, he's taken to another level.
1: We're going to hear from Marcus North, Steve Harmison, a uh, South African broadcaster who was at the ground, Neil Manthorpe, and the former Australian captain, uh, Kim Hughes, here on Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2.
0: Online and on DAB Digital Radio, Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2.
3: Had discussions with the um, match officials, and you know, I've been charged with attempting to uh, to change the the condition of the ball. Difficult, as I said, for all of us. Um, the last 24 hours is it's been a real challenge for us. But um, I suppose from this down the track, there's an opportunity for us all to grow as a, as a team and, and as individuals from it. It's, it's disastrous. It's, I'm still trying to come to terms with it. Really, I mean, the reality
0: is they've brought the game of, of cricket, which you know I've grown up and, and played and loved. It's questions of integrity, it's brought into dispute, it. it's, it's, it's really question a lot of things. Steve
2: Smith, whatever happens to him now, he can score as many hundreds as he wants. He can go any record, be it Australia's greatest ever cricketer, but he will be remembered the mm. cheat. And that, that, for me, is the biggest punishment any sportsman can
0: have. One feels a little bit of sympathy with Bancroft, but none at all to uh, Steve Smith and his leadership group who hatched this plan. How they thought they weren't gonna get caught red-handed with so many cameras.
1: Well, that's how uh, the story's been playing out uh, over the last 24 hours or so, much of that audio on uh, TalkSport and TalkSport 2, of course, but the listeners as well have been getting involved. Uh, Silly, really, the Australians to do something so stupid in an international break, Goffey, because uh, there's been far more attention on uh, their antics than there would be normally. But let's just hear how it's played out on (laughs) TalkSport.
3: Get very joyful, to be honest, uh, when they win. But they are bad losers.
1: <laughs> but this has um, sort of made me feel a little bit down because um, I always thought the, cri- the especially cricket was always played in a great spirit, and um, I'm very
3: disappointed. If I was an Australian cricket fan today, I would be absolutely annoyed, so annoyed that because. I mean, they don't need.
1: To, I mean, they, they, I mean, Steve Smith, what a batsman he is. I mean, and so is uh, Warner, a great batsman. Um, why don't? Uh, and this, why do they have to cheat?
0: You said paltry. You said premeditated. I'd like to say it, this
3: is pathetic
0: because really they didn't need to do this. And also, I don't know to what level this goes to in the Australian hierarchy who's involved because it seems to me that the main protagonists were kind of paraded out give some kind of press into your explanation
1: uh, and it wasn't really given it was hardly like the correct spree, the corps that cricket's known as is it I mean I felt as if they were kind of naughty boys that were that were were caught, and it was mainly driven by guilt, wasn't it? These guys are meant to be highly professional, highly paid, but most importantly, they're role models
0: for young Australian children or young Australian adolescents.
1: I'd just like to say that I think Bancroft has actually been bullied into this. Steve
2: Smith and the other one, Warner, who... Well, worn as a known bully anyway, because he he Root, but um, it was
1: just, I mean, it was too blatant. I don't think that lad wanted to do that. Just a uh, sample, really, of some of the uh, feedback and uh, callers that have uh, rang in. Uh, to vent their, uh, their thoughts really about the Australian cricket team. It's not often that Talk Sport gets those kind of calls, Goffy. You know, that first call it sounded a bit like Phil Tufnell, um, but uh, I'm sure it wasn't. Um, well, I tell you what, there was a fascinating interview on Talk Sports Breakfast Show today. Kim Hughes, um, who we all remember how his captaincy ended, um, was on with Alan Brazil, and I thought what he had to say summed it up but almost perfectly.
0: What you need to do is to ban them for six or 12 months, yeah. uh, take away sponsors and that type of thing. But for Steve Smith to say, well, I'm sorry, I've made an error in judgment, I can't remember a worse day. Mind you, I'm only 64. i I've got Methuselah, I'm 164, but I doubt whether there's ever been a worse day in Australian sporting history and maybe one of the worst days for our country because uh, cricket is our national game. Uh, the baggy green is an icon. Um, and the spirit that it's trying to stand for whether it's the Gallipoli spirit or whatever it of I've given a mate a fair go uh, the last thing you want to be called is a cheat uh,
1: and that pretty much is uh, is where we can leave it I reckon Goffy. I mean well, I'll, you know, I'll just we'll, we'll... finish
2: I'll just finish it with this is, but they, they put so much on that baggy green well they've took the baggy green now into the same value as every other cat they're nothing special now Australia after what they've come up with they did the underarm many years ago Mm-hmm. Um, in New Zealand, and now they've followed it up with this. Um, so there's no more, I'm not having it, big, proud, honest, the perfect sportsmen, Aussies, they've got to have a good look at themselves. And I think this is where I'll finish it with this. The leadership group, for me, has to come forward. They have to clear up everything that happened from start to finish, and if there's any of the other players who didn't know anything about this – they should be mentioned too because they're being dragged into this. I believe mm. it was bigger than the three or four people when the 12th man knows what's happening and he's on a walk talkie. I think it's, it's bigger than that. But they're obviously getting out there, but they knew nothing about it. So if that's the case, they have to be cleared because they can't all be thrown into the same basket. <laughs> it's been a laughing stock for world cricket and the message, which is one message I've heard and I think this is the most vital, It sends out to young players about the game's integrity is vital. And that message they've sent out Australia is shocking. And heads will and need to roll.
1: Right. Shall we talk about something else for uh, three or four minutes before we're joined in the studio by Nick Compton? Because uh, aside from England getting bowled out for 58, apart from uh, Steve Smith sending Cameron Bancroft out with some homemade sandpaper, uh, the ICC World Cup qualifiers came to an end. And I tell you what, goffe, I was more upset for the likes of Zimbabwe for Scotland and Ireland than I was for England uh, when they were skittled for 58. I'm not sure if you've, but you're getting it in England, but here in New Zealand, it's actually been beamed live uh, on on, their, on Sky Sports. They have Sky Sports here as well. Yep, it does here, yeah. That, that Zimbabwe game, I mean, it was absolutely packed to the rafters at that ground with passionate, vocal uh, supporters who desperately wanted their team to win. And Zimbabwe just came up short. Uh, Absolutely heartbreaking for them, um, losing to the UAE by five runs, I think. And I'm not sure Duckworth Lewis was their friend in that that encounter, that's for sure. Scotland, you know, a team who get one game every two years from England, who want to be involved in our one-day competitions, but the ECB don't want them to. Um, A team where their players retire half the time because they don't get enough cricket. Robbed two awful Awful umpiring decisions by the same bloke actually um at crucial stages of their matches against uh, West Indies um and also Ireland, uh, meaning they won't be at the World Cup either, and for me i just I just rail. I rage against the machine at times because we're living in a world where the Rugby World Cup looks to be inclusive. It makes the World Cup the focal point for the World Game. We look at the Football World Cup, which is inclusive, and it wants to make football the World Cup for everyone. And I look at cricket, and it's about making sure that the big teams make money and making sure that the big teams get to the business end of the tournament and to hell with everyone else. And it absolutely sickens me.
2: Yeah, it does me too. And I think um, it is a World Cup. And what's the point of having it? I think it, what it comes down to, um, basically, is but because of the scheduling and everything that goes with it, they just got to the point where they saw, there's too many games. We don't need England playing against Papua New Guinea. We don't need Australia playing against Nepal. We just need the big boys playing each other. And, and I'm with you. Um, I'd like to see the smaller nations. And it's proved this tournament uh, for me. But the standard is improving all the time. I think teams like Afghanistan, where they've come from in a short period of time... Ireland have proven at major tournaments that can upset the rest. The Netherlands have done it have beat England. I was at that game. I wasn't playing but I was at that game watching when um, they beat England at Lords. Mm. So it does happen and, and I think they're all getting closer and closer to each other. And to basically just give two teams out of those ten the opportunity to play in the World Cup is wrong uh, for me. Uh, it really is. For UAE, to show how far they've come in the past few years. It's been brilliant. Yeah, they got the chance to play in a World Cup, I think in '95, '96 in Pakistan. We played against UAE and the Netherlands. And they were great games. They nearly beat us, both of those teams. And then they've been out of it for a while and they're making a comeback. Dougie Brown's the coach now. He's doing a terrific job. They got that win, unfortunately, for Zimbabwe against Zimbabwe, (laughs) which took Zimbabwe out. And they deserve to be there. Scotland deserved to be there. Ireland deserved... To be there. And unfortunately, we won't see Zimbabwe, Ireland, or Scotland at the World Cup. It's sad, really. It really is.
1: It really is. When you're ready to
0: pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At Bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to Bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at Bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase. Bluenile.com code LISTEN. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com.
1: to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados Truly the best place to be a cricket fan You know what coffee? We're going to have uh, less teams In 2019 Than we did in 2015 And yet the tournament Is going to go on four days longer You work <laughs> it out um, plenty more to talk about. We're going to be joining the studio very shortly. Nick Compton, England and Middlesex batsman, uh, talking, well, there's a few things to talk about, isn't there? Uh, he's a man who does know how to score runs for England in New Zealand. Um, but we're going to be talking about that, but more about ball tampering, get his take on things. Uh, and looking back at his career and seeing what's uh, what's coming up for him as well. Still a Middlesex man, of course. be fascinating to get his thoughts. Uh, but you're listening to TalkSport 2, and this is Darren Goff's Cricket Week.
0: Online and on DAB Digital Radio, Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2.
1: Well, Goffy, that was as passionate an hour of uh, Darren Goff's Cricket Week as I think we've ever broadcast on TalkSport 2. I mean, so much has been going on in the last week. Uh, and I hope that the listeners out there enjoyed uh, your views on on much of it. And I'm pleased to say that we can get the views of uh, another uh, pro who has uh, joined us in the studio this week. England and Middlesex batsman Nick Compton uh, joins us to uh, to look back into at, uh, at a career with England uh, to uh, talk about Middlesex. But uh, also, I'm pleased to say, just join us to talk about what has been a fascinating few days. Um, we'll talk about 58 all out in a second, but, uh, you know, your views from the outside looking in, Nick, uh, from ball tampering gate or sandpaper gate or whatever <laughs> gate you want to call it, um, d- d- just your views as, as a professional cricketer uh, watching on uh, a I imagine.
4: Without doubt. Lying on my couch uh, just uh, yesterday and, and suddenly saw these... Um, you know, saw these uh, these pictures and these images and, and absolutely shocked. I mean, I had to sort of take two at first because I thought, what's going on there? You know, it, I mean, to use a, a luminous yellow piece of paper for starters, I mean, you know, there's ways of, <laughs> of sort of, you know, taking care of the ball, so to speak. But I think, you know, to have one of your younger members of the team do it, Um, a batsman as well I mean everyone knows batsmen haven't got a clue what to do with balls so (laughs) I don't know you know I remember you know Jimmy Anderson Stuart Broad I mean they're very I mean fast bowlers are very protective over the ball as they should be and I mean, I wasn't even allowed to touch it at, at backward points. I, I sort of I could go a whole day without touching the ball unless unless obviously the the, the players hit it to me. So um, yeah, I stayed as far away from that as possible. So look, I think to come back to it, you know, Steve Smith. It's under his watch. He's the captain. He's the leader of this team. And I think for it to happen under his watch, you know, I'm disappointed that he didn't stand down as captain and he had to wait for for the Australian management to come in and. Uh, and 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 sort of remove him. I, I think that's where it's been disappointing. This whole leadership team—it's been calculated, it's been well thought out, um, and it, it it reeks of desperation in a, in a series where we should be talking about the high skill level and the cricket. Nick, what what
2: do you think is going to happen uh, in this? Because it's taken the world by storm. I've never seen a story erupt uh, like this one. As uh, and I'm with you. I mean, to sit round wherever they were as a management group, and not one person within that management group stand up and say, "Hang on a minute, this is wrong." I'm all for a little bit of saliva from the sugar of a sweet to help shine the ball, which we know's been going on for years, and it's kind of people kind of turn a blind eye to that. But this is just blatant, blatant, premeditated cheating.
4: Yeah, absolutely, and you look at that Australian team. You know, you look at the success they've had of late. You know, the Ashes win, um, the fact that they've got a, a strong bowling attack. You look at Cummins, Stark. You know, getting into the cricket a little bit, um, they've been very successful. And there's no doubt. You know, successful teams have a pattern. Um, of of winning games and the, their pattern has been to take some some wickets up front with a new ball the swinging ball it, it might go a little bit sort of you know sort of go a bit dry after a while and then suddenly they'll get the ball to reverse and Mitchell Stark comes on he comes around the wicket and he's cleaned up a lot of tails and and finished off games for Australia of late and the fact of the matter is is that the series was one all in a big series against South Africa they're getting a lot of uh, as they've as they've moaned about incessantly uh, in terms of the uh, the crowd, the South African crowd, um, and they needed to get the ball reversing. They knew that it was now or never in terms of the series. You know, if we don't get this ball reversing, we're struggling. And I, you know, in terms of that leadership group and what was said, of course we don't know, mm-hmm. but something suggests that guys, we need to get this ball reversing. And I think a lot of people have turned a blind eye to to, to perhaps what uh, what they decided in the end.
1: Nick, uh, Nick the, um, I mean, I'm i just reading a couple of tweets. Uh, Kevin Peterson saying, uh, Two men can restore that baggy green now, Justin Langer and Ricky Ponting. Men with immense pride, honour, courage, integrity and respect. Now you played alongside a man that ticks all those boxes, an Australian, uh, Somerset Middlesex actually, Chris Rogers. You know, it's, it would be wrong of us to tar... Every Australian with the same brush, um, but there are going to be a lot of Australian cricketers like Chris Rogers, like Justin Langer, like Ricky Ponting, who are going to be absolutely furious um, with what's gone on um, and feel that they've been let down, probably even more than the uh, the fans have done.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know those names that are brought up there, I think are two good names. I I knew Justin Langer very well, and I said it yesterday that he's the man who should be in charge. There's no doubt. That this game needs to be cleaned up. I think we can look at the individuals, the likes of Bancroft and this leadership team, but fundamentally, it suggests that there's a a slight issue with the culture in this Australian team, not in Australian cricket, because there's been some fantastic Australian teams down the line who have who have, have played with a lot of integrity. But this whole talk about sledging and what have you, this is something that you know Australians are, are getting what they what they give, you know, and I think there's a lot of people out there who you know, unfortunately are are getting the boot in at this stage. Um, you know, you could say that they deserve it, but I, I think it's time for a change. I think Justin Langer, Ricky Ponting, and I actually agree with Kevin Peterson there. I think there is time for a change to get some some real integrity, some discipline and some leadership there. You know, I think if we go back a little bit, this whole fallout with the board as well, I don't think's helped. Um I think there's a there's mm. a lot of resentment there. <laughs> for more money, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh I think there's a I think there's a loss of respect. I think a lot of these things get born out of a loss of respect.
2: Do you do you think as well the the game in general, uh, Nick? Is but we all played, and I played with aggression, right? Sure. I, I didn't get into personal abuse when I played. I don't think I. would Well, I'd like to think I never did it against anyone. I can't remember on what it might have been one occasion where I went OTT um, against Durham once uh, early in my career. But when you look back on it, some of the things that are happening of late. Uh, we've had I mean some of the send-offs are getting re- mm. even worse. The sledging's getting worse. We've had off field fist fights, some of them involving our players. Uh we've got barging now into players and as though it's a wrestling match or boxing match. We've got coming off at tea time, abusing each other and sending out personal abuse. What is happening to the game? Have the ICC got to get a grip of things as well?
4: Yeah, absolutely. This game needs to be cleaned up. You know, the the immaturity that's been shown in this series has been for everyone to see. I mean, you know, these punch-ups that you talk about, you know, the, the crowd abuse. I mean, where does it come from, Goffy? Because, um, you know, look, to say it hasn't happened for years. Well, it has, you know, on different scales. But I think it now being more highlighted, given the, the cameras, given the... The, the amount of cricket that's being played and you know it, it might have something to do with the, the, the fact that these guys are being paid a lot of money now and, and actually the games and the series don't mean as much perhaps be- behaviour is not being scrutinised as much I think one of the one of the issues mm. I also think is that the the, the fining of players doesn't matter. Players are being earning an absolute fortune now. <laughs> 25% of your match fee. I mean, really, you sort of... It's
2: nothing, is it? It's nothing. Nick, I said earlier, you, you'll have missed this, but I've said money that, that's come into the game to cricketers, which is great. Listen, I think cricketers should be paid. We've been underpaid for so many years, so now they're getting it right. But with that, we're going to have some serious teething problems because what money does bring to a sportsman... They're already a superstar. They're getting recognised wherever they go in the world. And now add money to that, Mm. it brings almost invincibility to these youngsters. They're driving around in the most ridiculous cars, as I said. But I think we're turning in. And what we see and the behaviour we've seen from footballers from time to time, we are turning in
4: to footballers. Absolutely. Spoiled brats. Absolutely. And, and, you know, the whole spirit of cricket. I mean, those are things that, you know, have always been... So, something I grew up with, something that have, has run so strong through the game of cricket and I just don't know where that spirit of cricket is now, you know, mm. the fact that we've got red cards and yellow cards coming in, the fact that these regulations have gone up, I mean it's sad it's sad really, but you know there there is no way, the only way now is to is to keep the punishment in the now you know, if if, if someone behaves poorly, they're off you know they're gone, you know twenty five percent match fee and one demerit point or whatever you know I mean you know who cares you know uh, these punishments need to be made hard and fast, and players need to realize that um, they do this, they behave this way, they're not going to play you know they're not they're not going to get they're not going to get they're going to be out of the limelight they're not going to get the chance to perform i mean it, it will be very interesting to see coming back to the point about Australian cricket and about what they're going to do i I think the fact that the prime minister's comment on it. I think it's going to be. Ta- it, it's got serious, you know. Once you once you start getting politics involved, and 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 once that starts happening, I think there are going to be some some quite strict um, sort of uh, you know sanctions laid down here.
1: Um, Nick, very briefly, uh, in and amongst all of this, there's also been some cricket uh, taking <laughs> place uh, in a part of the world that you're very familiar with, uh, Auckland, where I am. Uh, England bowled out for fifty-eight. <laughs> um, not sure we. Where you really start with this, but uh, watching on, um, has, has the writing been on the wall for this this uh, method of assembling a test side for England for quite some time? Because uh, both myself and Goffey seem to be of the same opinion, and that is, you can't win away with four right arm seamers and a part-time spinner.
4: Yeah, look, you know, as they say, you do the same things over and over again, you get the same result, and there is a, there is a, a degree of that, where, you know, the Ashes was poor, um, you know, perhaps they've tried to go to New Zealand and go. Look, it was a bad Ashes, but we're going to turn it around, New Zealand. To think you're just going to go to a country like New Zealand and you know get a couple of easy victories. I think they've I've obviously realised that it ain't going to be that easy. And I, and I found that out when I was there. I mean, we we drew that series. It was a tough series. I mean, the, the likes of Bolt, Southie are experienced campaigners. You know, in the, in their backyard, they pitch the ball up, they challenge your technique, and I, I think. just looking at the preparation because of course there's been a lot of talk about this preparation a lot of criticism Um, and and Goffey I'd almost like to get your views on this because there's so much cricket nowadays and you look at the the Ashes series and you look at the likes of say Joe Root who's played the Ashes the One Days the T20s you know needs a break of some sort in there the players that didn't play the one-day games or the t20s have now come back to england have been sitting i saw david milan in the indoor school you know hitting uh, lots of bowling machine balls it's snowing outside you know he suddenly had a month off he's not had much cricket and he goes off to, mm. to to new zealand And i sort of think it takes time to get up and running again you know that 58 or that look 58 or that can happen you know it's it, it shouldn't happen very often but you can get knocked over early, you know. I I think it'll get better, but this has been happening for a while now. Where and these are the kind of things, Goffy. Where how do you get that balance right?
2: Mm, I, I agree with you on on on, but but I just think the old preparation on this. After we'd had such a bad tour of Australia, and we talked about this, me and Johnny, about how many times are we getting knocked over? We're not losing by five runs or mm. ten runs. Look at some of the losses we've endured, whether it be in India. Whether it be um, in Australia and Bangladesh. now New Zealand, Bangladesh, by an Innings, and we're getting an absolute played off the park from start to finish. Now after Australia, and I'm with you; these one days have gone on now for too long. How long did they go on for? Five weeks. Hmm. It's it. It just seems as though is it it's still going on this same tour? <laughs> England have gone. Uh, it's still going on. But then, Alistair Cook has come home. He's been lambing. Here, just down the road from me, he lives just down the road. And he's been lambing over here and enjoying his time on a farm away from the game. Flies out to New Zealand, has a couple of knocks against a pink ball, gets out a few times and then thinks he'll be all right to play in a test match. Now, we all know, Nick, and you're a batsman, you've got it spot on. As a bowler, you need time out in the middle, you need time out in the nets. Now, is there going to come a point where we say, right, we're not sending them home now after the tests, we send them to Dubai and they have to stay out there and they're part of the 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 part of a, a training group that just carries on playing cricket because at the moment it's not working for us we've got to do something different
4: i agree and i think the preparation for me is spot on goffey because um you know look Goff, you played a lot more test cricket than I did. But, you know, as a batter, if I'm preparing for the New Zealand series, you know, a lot of hard work has to go into that. You know, you, going home and, you know, Alistair's at a, a time in his career now where he's played a lot of cricket. He knows his game. But, you know, it doesn't get any easier. <laughs> I think I've realized that as well. It doesn't get any easier. You still have to put the work in. And I think to go out to a place like like New Zealand, get knocked over, I mean, we need Alistair Cook scoring runs. If he's at the top of the innings, we need to score runs. And I think the other, the other thing that's always, uh, you know, I suppose I'm I'm going to say this because of the type of player I was, but there's obviously a view in in English Test cricket, and and there's there's a lot of draw. We, we're sort of drawing ourselves to a lot of glamour, and actually. For me as boring as it may sound test cricket hasn't changed it's still 5 days long as far as i'm concerned it still requires the same discipline the same qualities as it's always as it's always needed and if you look around the world of test cricket there's almost there's probably only 6 or 7 world class players in my opinion from from a batting perspective i don't think the qualities or the standards of test cricket are what they used to be i don't think bowlers are as consistent i don't think uh, the batting is of a higher enough standard. Okay, Smith, Joe Root, Virat Kohli, you know, Kane Williamson, you know, quality players. But outside of that, you know, I just don't see test cricket and, and those same attributes really holding true. And I think England have a slightly different situation. If we were playing at the Adelaide Oval every day, fine. Get three, you know, stroke players at the top of the innings and take it to them and what have you. But we play in England where the ball moves around. You need players at the top of the order who are going to pride the wicket, who are going to spend time out there. And at the moment, when I look at that England batting lineup, I just don't see a lot of solidity. It it might be me, but I just don't see a lot of solidity.
2: Mate, if I ever get the job, you're coming on board, mate, because (laughs) you're exactly what I've been saying for the last two years. Unfortunately, counties are falling into the trap of, of what they're doing now for young players coming through. Oh. If you're someone who can fight and battle and fight it out and, and value your wicket, and you might look. You might not look great, but you you won't give your guts. You, you will not Absolutely. give that wicket away no matter what. What we're looking for young players now who can play 360 degrees around the pitch and we're signing players like that Counties purely because, oh, hang on a minute, he can play T20, he can play the one-dayers and he'll do a job. He'll get me 20 or 30 quickly in a four-day game. We're not signing players now who've got a bit of fight and they've got, do you know what I mean, the value of the wicket. We're not even looking at players like that anymore. They don't even get a look-in
4: yeah look uh, yeah you you you're preaching to the converted and i i think i don't want this to become a a, a show about uh, you know because I, I think in many ways you know look that that's how, that's the language i speak and and i think you know it, I think that you're absolutely spot on I mean more players like that need to come in there needs to be a lot more pride on your wicket all those disciplines and qualities that look I, I grew up with but it wasn't fashionable you know it wasn't fashionable people want the glamour they're drawn to players with a good cover drive I mean you know it's not It's not for me to sort of point out James Vince but you know Vince he's a good player but is he a test number three I don't know you know I, I don't think he is and and I and I think why has he been selected on the basis of averaging 30 in a, in his first class cricket and and suddenly he's the test number three. And I think you, those qualities, you know, if he was playing at the Adelaide Oval every day, yeah, maybe, but we're not. This is test cricket and uh, we need some more solidity at the top of the order. Uh,
1: you're listening to uh, Nick Compton, Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. So we've got plenty more to come on the show with Nick Compton. He's here till the, uh, till the end of the programme, looking back at his career uh, as an England man and uh, looking forward to the future as well with Middlesex. Uh, you're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2.
0: Online and on DAB digital radio, Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk Sport Two.
1: Well, we're joined in the studio by Nick Compton, uh, myself, John Norman, and of course the main man, Darren Goff, as well. Uh, Nick, well, let's go back to the start, then, shall we? Uh, as a as a youngster, was cricket the only sport for you? What was the uh, who were who were the posters on on the bedroom wall when you were growing up? the ones that we can know about that have you, is have
4: you not seen my left foot come on I've been leading goal scorer in morning warm ups for the last 10 years I mean <laughs> you've got to have played hockey Nick you've got to be a hockey player I've got you down <laughs> as a hockey player and tennis oh my god what, <laughs> what, do you, what do you really think Coffee? let's be honest um, no look I I played look as a youngster and growing up in South Africa you played everything I was even a fly half can you believe it I didn't tackle much though Goffy which <laughs> you, you won't be surprised to hear um, was too worried about my hairstyle getting messed up but um, <laughs> no look I played all the sports but cricket From probably about the age of ten, was the only thing I wanted to do. Uh, You know, those first uh, that that first time I came to England, I met Grandad. He was the president of Middlesex at the time. He took me around Lords, holding his hand, and I got to walk on the hallowed turf. And I think, you know, those are when, you know, those images and those dreams sort of, uh, you know, start and 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 sort of grew with every step. So that was where I I really thought, right, England's where I want to be. I want to play Test cricket here. I want to play at Lords. So. Um, yeah cricket was definitely the only thing for me particularly after that age
2: what about uh, being brought up obviously in a a very uh, cricket dominated probably Mm. household um, with a family some famous family members doing pretty well in cricket did you ever as a youngster because my kids definitely have uh, felt that pressure uh, of of being brought up and trying to follow
4: in my footsteps what about yourself you know what it's it's quite It's quite an interesting question. And of course, I've been asked it before, but I think the way I normally answer that is when I grew up, I mean, South Africa is obviously a sport-mad country, as you know. I grew up in Durban. You know, everything was about the outdoors. You know, whether it be rugby season, athletic season, hockey season, <laughs> um, tennis season, you know, it, I, you played it. And, you know, at that age... I wasn't really aware of granddad in terms of his prowess, in terms of what he actually meant to the British public, in terms of what he actually really achieved. I mean, how how, how well can you know a granddad when you're seven or eight years old? You know, you can't. So, <laughs> you know, I I was a mad I was a I was a mad keen sportsman there, and I I remember almost I think you know I, I think that was quite inbuilt in me. You know, my dad never pushed me. I mean, sure, he put a cricket bat in my hand from the moment I could walk, and and you know he encouraged me to play sport, but. I almost got angry with my dad and, and almost wanted him to push me harder. You know, and that, that's the funny thing is I almost wanted him to, to drive me harder. And, and I think because of his experiences, I, you know, when I talked to him and said, you know, why didn't you carry on with your cricket? He played seven first-class games from a hotel. But by all accounts, he was a good player. Um, and that wasn't just coming from him. Um, but, uh, you know, he didn't have the support. I think he said the pressure did get to him. I think, you know, being in South Africa enabled him to hide away from... You know, potentially, you know, trying to make it as a cricketer in England, I think that would have been too difficult. But I think, from my point of view, it was only when I really came to England, when I started playing age group cricket under fifteen, under sixteen, got my first contract that I started understanding more about the Compton name, what it meant at Lords. And I think there's no doubt there were pressures associated with it. But uh, you know, at a young age, I didn't really. I, I wanted to achieve myself. You know, I had, a, I had a burning desire to achieve myself, and and I was probably. More into copying, you know, the likes of Callis and Brian Lara than I was my grandfather, to be honest.
1: Um, was it always going to be Middlesex because of the links uh, to to Dennis? Uh, um, do you think that maybe if you'd been able to play at a different county, things might have actually turned out differently? Was there any pr- e- extra pressure uh, playing at Middlesex?
4: Yeah, I think there was, and. I again I didn't really understand it I, I kind of walked out there wanting to achieve myself and sure I realised my grandfather was you know I was used to when I spoke to old people at, at, at Lords who used to come up and regale stories about him I used to listen and, and, and with a lot of pride and and, uh, and interest and, and I sort of understood who he was and what he achieved but it was a different era and I thought that's great but, but I want to really achieve myself and I, I think it was only when I went to Somerset where look if I'm honest my my career sort of Went from from good to, to to very good, and I got selected for England. And I think there might be something in that. You know, there was a I probably relaxed a little bit more out of London, going down to a place mm. like Somerset, which is a you know fantastic team to play for, a good cricket ground. You know, probably didn't have the same intensity of the Compton Stand looking over me. But I think a lot of that's subjective and a lot of it's subconscious in many ways. You know, but it, it, there might have been something in you know getting away from London, going to Somerset, and creating my own kind of. Um, You know, reputation, so to speak.
2: When you uh, played as a youngster and you Mm. played representative cricket, and from to the moment you made your debut, have you always been that type of player you are now, or have you changed? Has it changed as you've gone along? It changed. I I
4: I grew up, and I, I think I got caught up like a lot of players do with having this talent and potential, and you know people would tell you that and, you, and you'd like to hear it there was no doubt I liked hearing that I had talent and potential but I think that's all it was Goffey and mm. uh it was only when I really met a, a mentor um at the age of about 21 I I I'd, I'd played some first class cricket had some success and then I, I sort of found myself being very frustrated because I wasn't a regular um and I think it was 2021, and I sat down with him, and he said, what have you actually achieved? And I went, oh, well, I'm you know, I'm this, and I'm, I'm better than Joe Soap, who's 27, 28, not really going anywhere, and had all these comments. And he said, well, he got a stat sheet out and said, well, you average 30, you've scored 200s in the second team, and you expect to be a regular in the first team. <laughs> and basically, it, it was hard to take. Um, but he said, until you realize where you are right here, right now, Only then can you make the next steps forward. And I I think that was a a, a real coming back down to earth. But he said to me, right, if you want to have a cricket career, one in first-class cricket, and you want to play international cricket, it starts with your defence. Because if you don't have a defence... You can go up to, as soon as you go up the levels, you're going to be knocked over, and you can have all the cover drives and pull shots and cut shots and all these great shots that look great, and everyone goes, oh, this guy's got great ability, but it's about having a world-class defense, because if you have a world-class defense, you can spend time in the middle and you can grow for there. and I said, right, let's do this, and uh, I spent six months working on a a forward defense and, and leaving the ball in really tough conditions, and I think that's when my game changed you know and I started to develop. I mean those are the qualities that I've been brought up with you know I definitely pride, yeah, I had pride for my wickets and um, and what have you but I think those are the qualities that I really engendered and I realized also that it was a time when 2020 cricket was really taking it was going forward you know I couldn't compete with the likes of Joss Butlers and Sam Billings and all these young guys who were coming through in a different generation I realized that in test cricket at that stage there was Jonathan Trott Alistair Cook who could bat for a day as those type of players and I said my aim is to become the third player who can do that and, and that was kind of the journey I went on and um, yeah I, I guess I guess you could say it paid off in, in some ways it would have been nice if it lasted a bit longer but I think um, there's no doubt England could probably do with one of those two players now and particularly the, the Alistair Cook of old
2: but you the problem is there is, but you talked about that. It's a great line, actually, because the generation changes, but we were looking for players like yourself from the Cook and Trot who had huge success at test level, and then suddenly with the evolve of, of T20 cricket and the where these players, the Hales, the Billings, and mm. um, Roy all started playing, it was like, oh, hang on a minute. We, we don't need that. that type of player yeah. anymore. We want all these players playing test cricket. Yeah, so, <laughs> You no, got caught up in that, didn't you, Nick, I, I, really, to be fair as look,
4: well. Look, by my own admission, I did get caught up in it. And I thought I was fighting a lone battle. And it's, you know, look, when you're confident, when you're scoring runs day in, day out, you, you have the confidence to fight that battle. And, and, I, and I think I did fight it. You know, I think when I came into the team, uh, Joe Root was the coming man. He was the talk of the town. He was, And, and so he should have been. But I felt when i got selected and had that opening partnership with Alistair cook if you look at it we won every game didn't lose a game and and uh we had a we had a fantastic record as an opening partnership now look i certainly wasn't the dominant partner and 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 i didn't try to be but you know the the team is a, is is as good as the sum of its parts and i think i performed a role that actually enabled the likes of Cook, you know, the, the likes of Jonathan Trott to build on that. You had Kevin Peterson, you had Ian Bell, you had some great stroke players. But, you know, the, the, the laws of the game don't change. You know, you, you have to set up that innings. You know, you look at the team now, it's no different. You've got Ben Stokes, Johnny Bairstow. I mean, some fantastic players. Moe and Ali when he gets going. I mean, but you need those foundations. And, I, I, you know, I am old school. You know, I'm somebody who's going to keep saying this. And I don't care if, if we keep saying it in five years' time, as long as test cricket still, is still a five-day game by then. But those those attributes, those qualities are not going to change. And, you know, I have been stubborn. And when I was my most stubborn, I played my best cricket and I stuck to that. But, look, over time, you know, the likes of Michael Vaughan going on about Joe Root. And, and I could understand that. But I think, you know, Joe Root then opened the batting. They made a change five days before the Ashes, which I thought I should have I should have started. Um, Joe Root opened the batting. He struggled. You know, he got left out. And then he came back in as, as a number four and, yeah, he's been a a world-class player for England and so he should be but I just felt that was the time where don't change it if it's not don't fix it if it's not broken you know there there was no need to make a change really and I think sometimes be careful what you wish for because in all this glamour um, yes there's some exciting bits of it yes we're all drawn to these switch hits and these sixes over long on and what have you but actually it's often the boring mundane qualities that uh, test cricket requires. Um, and I don't think people are that interested in it anymore.
1: Well, we certainly needed some boring, mundane test cricket uh, <laughs> in England's first innings at Eden Park, that's for sure. Uh, Nick Thompson is the guest. Uh, you're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week, and this is TalkSport 2.
0: Online and on DAB Digital Radio, Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2.
1: Nick Compton, uh, guest uh, of uh, Darren Goss Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2. So, Nick, uh, what's it like to score an international century for England with your dad in the crowd?
4: Oh, jeez, you're going to make me well up now and get all emotional. Um, <laughs> no, nah, look, it was special. I think my, my dad was actually staying in a caravan because there was no rooms in any hotels, so he slept on the floor of some caravan, <laughs> and, you know, the legs that they go to. And, you know, I think the great thing about that century was um, I got naught in the first innings, and I remember andy flower saying to me on a on a bus probably a week before that he couldn't you know you know sort of give me the you know the go-ahead to play all the tests or he said look you know you're going to play the first test and you know i can't say much more beyond that so I, I i literally did think that the second innings was do or die you know it was a case of do or die and actually the sports psychologists which you know as you know now we have sort of 10 of them and each team makeup these days um Said to me, look, if if you were a punter in the crowd and you had one opportunity to put an England shirt on and walk out to bat, what would you want to experience in that time? And I thought, you know what, I want to go out there and I want to hit some good shots. I want to I want to hit a I want to hit a nice cover drive through the covers and hear the crowd roar. I said, if if you know if it, if this is the last time, and I think that just freed me up, you know, as if to say, you know what, who cares? And I went out there and managed to get off the mark and, and I saw dad down at fine leg he always had a way of sort of hiding behind a tree or a bush or <laughs> some you know, comp- you know he was never you know, if, if, you t- if you're looking at where the players and wives sit he'd be at the opposite end of the spectrum you know he'd be behind the scoreboard or something like that so <laughs> Peering I saw him at, I saw him down at fine leg and I remember after every over just there was kind of a, it became like a mental routine. I just peered over there, and he had a little little fist that just kept pointing at me, going, "What?" and clapping every now and then, just saying, "Keep going." And it sort of became a mental mantra. So I think that hundred was very special because, you know, no, I need to get the three figures, but I think to have have him there in the corner of the eye, sort of guiding me through it. Um, so yeah, very very special.
2: It's good. Do you know something? My father-in-law is American, right? So um, what I used to have is totally opposite. He wanted to be seen. He wanted to be... Yeah, my father-in-law. My dad was very much... My dad used to just sit there quiet. He was nervous. But my father-in-law used to shout out uh, some of the things he did with me. We were going on my first tour to Australia and he wrote on my pads, kick their butt, yeah? In black marker pen on the inside of my left pad. (laughs) On the other uh, pad, the right pad, he put herding time. And everybody within England team knew him, and he was hilarious. He used to blow a whistle. He used to shout, it's hurting time, kick his <laughs> ass, boy. He used, to shout at, he used to shout it full pelt, and he came out and watched me on a couple of the tours. And I appreciated his support, because sure. to know he was there, although it was like embarrassing at times, to know he was there supporting me meant a lot. Huge. And for you there, you've just said you caught a glimpse of him, the fist pump, and it does, doesn't it? It just it just adds that little bit of extra one, two, three percent what you can find.
4: It does, and it but it, it, it caused a few problems later on because I was like, you know, now suddenly he had to be sitting at fine leg every single <laughs> innings. You know what I'm saying? I was <laughs> you like, lost him a fortune. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, so whenever I didn't perform, it was like you didn't stay in the same place. And then if he went for a walk to the toilet, I'd sort of go, "Shit, you know, w- where is he? Where's he gone?" <laughs>
1: Um, we've kind of jumped a series haven't we because you of course made your debut in a very it's it's an extraordinary famous series uh, away in India um, uh, and it was England's first win in India in a generation Um, you were part of the team uh, Kevin Peterson of course in that second test match in Mumbai uh, scored 181, 189 I mean Have you ever seen a better innings since or before that one?
4: No, but I I would never have had an... That experience was the the number one experience of, of, of my career and of my life to date. There's no doubt going to India with everything you hear as a young player... Growing up to play that as your debut series to go over there and actually beat them, I, I, you know I'll talk, I, I will talk about that for years because it was such a special occasion. You know with that team, the way that Monty Panasar and and Graham Swanbold, um, you know the likes of Tendulkar, Donny, you had you had a fantastic Indian team. Um, but that that innings, you know, it wasn't surprising to the players. You know I mean Darren Goff will know from from playing with, with KP you know just what a, a genius oh. he was I mean just just phenomenal the way he trained you know I cl- I clung on to him you know and, and why wouldn't I you know I got over there and his practice methods you know I remember Mushtaq Ahmed throwing to him and you know, not on the pitches in the practice. he would go into the sort of where the bowlers had been bowling, and just throw these balls in these ridiculous conditions. You know, where the ball would just do everything, and there he was, right forward, right back. And I mean, I, I can remember Joe Root and I just sort of clinging on to to, to every instruction and watching him train. And it was, it, you know, it was it was great. You know, those are the kind of things where you learn so much. Um, but I think it was it was just. I, I just remember going to that series and thinking, you know what this might be I want to play all four test matches and, and I want to have an experience of test cricket and the best way I can do that is to spend some time in the middle you know the last thing you know so many players come into a series like India and you hear about the spin and turn and bounce and you've got to be aggressive and you've got to take the spinners on and dominate the spin but actually I just thought you know to, to go and have a slog early on and get out for for nothing and, and spend your time in the in the change room no i 'm going to actually fight it out here and uh, you know i 'm glad I did that because I got to spend two three hours you know in the middle of some of these places you know Calcutta Eden Gardens you know um, managed to hit the winning runs in mumbai and, and those are experiences that were just fantastic
2: mm, I mean you, w- um, when you look at those sorry, when, when you look at that series in, uh, in India and as I say huge success went on to New Zealand where you actually went and got. Uh, year 200s um, I mean it is chalk and cheese that isn't it you go from India <laughs> on the pictures the dust balls the the crowd the atmosphere to New Zealand which tends to be a bit quieter the pictures tend to be a bit greener um, and the opposition is definitely different <laughs>
4: very 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 different but I, I tell you what it was surprising is with the Indian series I thought they would come a lot harder um, I thought there'd be a lot more vocals Um there, there wasn't a lot said. I don't know if that's because you know Sachin's not a very vocal guy. I mean, Dhoni doesn't say a huge amount. I mean, Virat Kohli definitely had a few words with me. There's no doubt about that. Um, but very different, uh, very very different. I mean, you know, New Zealand has a has a real air of of playing in England, doesn't it? I mean, you've got swing bowlers. You mm. know, Bolt, Southey, they pitch the ball up. Um, pitchers were quite similar, so it, it was probably easier going to New Zealand in terms of you know getting back into that sort of opening the batting you know traditional format of you know sort of leaving the ball early on and and sort of getting yourself in whereas in in India I mean I think all the test matches I think Ashwin opened the bowling Um, so you had one seamer and a a, a spinner but I I think that's what I've always enjoyed is I think the traveling I've always enjoyed the aspect of traveling and and getting out there I think that's where you know playing in India and and having that type of experience it was refreshing um, and really exciting. Back to back centuries in New Zealand, but then within
1: three Test matches, that was it for a couple of years. Uh, you're missing out on a, on an Ashes series. Did you? F- did, I mean, give us an idea of the uh, the anguish, I suppose that uh, that's connected to that moment in your career. Um, but also, did you think it was a fair decision, or did you think that uh, writing was? on the wall with a a desire from the coaching staff at the time it appeared uh, to put Joe Root at the top of the order come what may
4: look I think I can beat around the bush with that there's no doubt that Joe Root was the coming man I realised the reality of the situation that I was coming in at the age of 27, 28 it wasn't going to be a case of you know let's give Nick an extended opportunity and a big run I'd scored a lot of runs in county cricket you know through Andrew Strauss's retirement I got an opportunity so You know, for me to sort of moan and whine about that, you know, it was going to be black and white. I either came in and I performed and I stayed in, or as soon as I sort of, I think, struggled or didn't score some runs, I realized that um, there were other people sort of, you know, wanting the likes of Joe to move up the order, etc. So I kind of realized that. It didn't necessarily make it any easier in terms of, you know, the pressure was on, and and so it should have been. I think what I was surprised about after the New Zealand series, having got back-to-back sort of centuries, come back, there was still seemed to be a huge amount of pressure on my place and I kind of couldn't work it out because I thought you know what we've gone to India we've won a series you know we you know I averaged 36 in in, um, in India on my first test tour in probably one of mm. the harder conditions to go in. okay Alistair Cook off the back of it scored a huge amount of runs we had a great opening partnership we won the series we've gone to New Zealand I've done well so I, I think I found you know and that's test cricket I guess the relentless nature of that pressure and and I think when I went into that um, the next series in New Zealand, it, it was all, almost a case of I'm so close, I just need to get through these two two test matches, and 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 I'm away, and I, and I can I can play in that Ashes, which I really felt would have really played into my hands in terms of the type of cricket etc. But um, yeah, look, I didn't play particularly well at Headingley. I remember there was a, a test match where I think I got eight or forty-five balls, and you know I got out, and I was just annoyed that you know i'd i sort of I'd sort of got out, I mean we still put on i think I think Alistair Cook came in that second innings, and he was rollicking along, and I thought you know what my form's not great at the moment. I'm probably just gonna sit here and and just sort of spend some time at the crease because we're still going at five six, and over, and then I got out, not you know obviously annoyed that I hadn't kicked on, but didn't think much of it, but I think when I got into the change room and 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 realised afterwards that there were a lot of people sort of on my back r- relating to that innings it then sort of hit me a little bit like, wow, okay. And and then it, as it happened, I got 160 in the next game and, and played really well against Australia in two warm-up games. So for me, it was kind of like, okay, I played not very well in this test match, but you know, I mean, that, <laughs> that happens, you know, I'm sure I can go away and, you know, and, and play well again, which I did. So I think that was a huge blow, massive blow. I mean, I think it was five days before the Ashes. Um, I felt I was playing some of the best cricket of my career um, and I'm not just saying that, but as I said, I I, I think were, Joe Root was the coming man. I think they wanted to get him in, and uh, any sort of uh, sort of little thing in my armour or any glitch in my armour was was always going to be exacerbated. Mm.
1: Uh, but there was a second coming, and we'll be talking about that uh, very shortly. Nick Compton returning to Durban to see how that uh, plays out here on Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talksport Two,
0: online and on DAB Digital Radio. Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport2.
1: Nick Compton in the studio with myself, John Norman, and, of course, Darren Goff. Uh, Nick, you were talking about what it was like having your dad at Fine Leg when you scored a century uh, in Dunedin for England, uh, the first of two centuries at the top of the order. Um, What was it like going back to Durban then? Did you have other family members in and around the the crowd as you made uh, 85 and uh, once again part of a, a very successful English overseas test team?
4: Yeah, that was, I mean, incredible. I, you know, looking back at at my my childhood, I mean, you know, I grew up at Kingsmead. I was I was actually I worked on the ground staff as a twelve years old with a guy called Phil Russell. <laughs> Goff, you might remember Phil Russell. Oh yeah, I remember him. Yeah. <laughs> so he was the groundsman at, uh, at Kingsmead, and I think he was looking for a couple of youngsters to help out and or any excuse to be around cricket and be around a, a test ground. So I did that for a year, and yeah, look, at Kingsmead. I mean, back then, I think. Cricket was in a in a really good place. You know the one day games. You know in the evenings were packed out. You know the likes of John T. Rhodes, Andrew Hudson, uh, Malcolm Marshall, Sean Pollock was coming through then. So a, a lot of heroes to to watch and and uh, and try and emulate. So it was a, it was a ground I played tape ball cricket at and and you know I'd, I'd spent a lot of time at. It. So I think to go back there and actually play a test match was was quite surreal in many ways. I, I remember when um, Alistair Cook edged, I think it was in the first or second over, Dale Steyn to third slip and. It was almost a brief moment where I was I had my pads on. I was batting three, and I sort of went, "Is it me? You know, <laughs> is, am I actually walking out in the middle of you know?" Because it it was surreal because I'd sat in the stands for. Millions of games there, watching, you know, test cricket, you know, uh, provincial cricket, etc And suddenly, I was the guy <laughs> standing up, walking out into <laughs> the middle. So, um, fortunately, when I walked past Dale Steyn, and he said to me, "Don't uh, something mess it up this time, mate." <laughs> um, you know, that was a good welcome. And then the first ball went literally straight past my uh, straight tro- straight past my nose, and you know, I was <laughs> lucky I didn't edge that. It wasn't that first ball, but uh, I managed to get through that and and dig it. And I think, yeah, that was an occasion where yeah I mean you know the chance to play in Durban for England against South Africa there was no way I was giving my wicket away I mean I I literally battened down every anchor and uh (laughs) I wasn't you know I was not getting out and uh I think you know that was the role that was probably needed particularly for that test match because it wasn't that easy I think we were 12 for 12 for two and yeah, I managed to play a good innings there and, and help us win that Test match.
2: When when you look uh, back at your your Test career and you look at the two hundreds and you look at the Durban performance, runs in both innings, um, and the series wins. I don't think you lost a series, did you? When no. you played, which is unbelievable in this place. I lost every, nearly every single series I played <laughs> in. By the way. But which one do you actually look back on and think I'll remember that till the day I die? Which which Test match is it? I,
4: I think from a personal contribution, Durban. Durban oh. brought a lot of emotion. I almost, I, I think when I got 50, uh, embarrassingly, I, I could feel myself welling up a little bit. Mm. You know, I, I actually felt myself going, this is it. You know, because I, I put every bit of emotion into that innings. You know, I fought like like anything and I wasn't prepared to do anything else and, you know, I kept going. But I think, I think that would have a, a personal, uh, real flavor to it. I think the the, the Indian series, would be the one that I remember the most in terms of that first series, winning in India. Um, that team, uh, the performance, the way that series went, absolutely.
1: And then it comes the final series, Sri Lanka, um, <laughs> and <laughs> after can we miss uh, that, uh, yeah. Well, but this is this is the thing, isn't it? You know, you it was a very tough moment for your for you personally, um, and I know you took a, some time out of the game afterwards um but uh, here we are again uh, and you're under pressure and it, it does seem like you were have been under pressure for your entire test career um but on this occasion was it the pressure that told was it the fact that you were just out of form or was it you came up against some good deliveries against some decent sri lankan bowlers uh,
4: yeah, I, I think a mixture of, of of a few of them. I mean, the, the pressure is always there and I, I think sometimes when people are watching on a screen or watching on TV they, they can sort of, you know, a lot has been spoken about my intensity and you know and those and there's no doubt I wasn't intense you know it's a it's your career i mean you know when i bat i'm intense I'm, I'm i'm intense because i want to perform and 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 that was the job that i felt was required in england i think it's a tough job being at the top of the order in england i think the ball it does more than most countries i think you have to be right on your game emotionally mentally physically etc so it it is a tough job and and when i was at my best I think you go to places that you know other players haven't maybe gone, you know, and and that's why you have a lot of respect for the likes of Alistair Cooks and these guys who do this job. And, you know, going into that series, there's no excuses. I wasn't playing well enough. Um, I got ill in in preseason. I had two and a half weeks where I hadn't played, and I was playing quite well before that. I had two days to prepare for the first championship game against Warwickshire at Lords. Uh, I got out early in the first innings, got some runs second innings, and then had one more test, uh, sorry, one more first-class game before the test matches. And um, look, we can go into it as, as long as we like. I did not play well enough. You know, I nicked one early on in that in that Sri Lankan series. I, I felt like you know my form wasn't great. I was holding on as much as I can. I didn't feel particularly confident. And you know that's it. You know, in test cricket, that you know those weaknesses are exacerbated, aren't they?
2: Mm. What about now? Well, I mean, it's tw- obviously it's the start of the season uh, coming up, twenty eighteen. Middlesex, uh, as far as i 'm concerned, looking on from the outside, have kind of hit the panic button um, to win the championship and then got relegated the following year with controversy following that and now it seems you 're not going to start the season for middlesex w- what 's going on there
4: yeah i 'm not starting the season for middlesex um i don 't know what 's going on i I guess when you get relegated and there's a bit of a a loss in form. You know, they. You have to make a couple of changes. I, th- I think that uh, we have got some excellent young players. I think the the team and the management are quite keen to go forward with them. Um, and there's no doubt the likes of Holden, Eskenazi, Gubbins are the future of this club. Um, yeah, look, it's disappointing. There's no doubt about it. I, I think having been at this club since I was 15, and and uh, really, uh, you know, obviously had a, a family connection. Um, you know, Lords has been like a home to me, and. You know, I think when you get relegated, it's, it's disappointing because we won the championship the year before, as you've alluded to, and I think it was a time to really kick on. But uh, we didn't play well enough last year, and you know, I I think it's just a you know it's important that Middlesex do turn things around, that some of those young players do come through. Um, because it's a fantastic club, a club that should be in the first division, should be performing, should be achieving um, more more things that we achieved in 2016. So, look, I'm going to give it everything I can. I'm going to stay fit. I'm going to make sure that um, I've got a testimonial year this year. So mm. it'd be nice to, to, to do that well, of course. But, um, you know, I still have cricket left in me and there's no doubt, um, you know, I would like to be a, a part of that moving forward.
1: Can I ask you a, a very random question? I should have asked you this as part of the interview earlier on, but what is it like to bat with Alistair Cook?
4: Oh dear! Do you want the truth or <laughs> mm, always? No, look, I I actually really enjoyed playing with him I, because I think you, you when you when you open the batting with um with your partner, whether it be first class cricket or, or to, it's a bond that you can't explain to other people because you go to places mentally that that not many go. You know, it's tough. You you know that. The, the The lines of of failure that 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 thin line that separates failure and and success is so thin it, it it's so uncomfortable at times because it could be honestly uh, you know on one day you can lie on your couch having ha got a hundred on another day you can sit there having got naught and you know what there's nothing between the two you know it's it really is it can sit on that knife edge so I think when you have a relationship like that particularly in test cricket when you walk out together. Um, it's something special, and you, and you get through a, a tough session or you get through a tough opening spell. You know th- that kind of look in in his eyes when you're at breakfast the next morning. Only you shared that, and that's the great thing about cricket, I think, is is having mm-hmm. those partnerships. And look, he's he's quite simple when it comes to to batting. There's not a huge amount of conversation. Um, he's not someone who. Who will go into great depth? Where there's other players who perhaps have you have more of a, a sort of in-depth conversation with. Alistair was more of a steely, everything good, yeah, good. Look in each other's eyes, and and would and quite often before every over it'd be keep fighting, keep fighting, and, and and I think for me that language worked quite well because it was a fight, and uh, and I think if you look at Alistair Cook's cricket. Um, and the way he bats you know quite often it is a fight so we 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 sort of spoke the same language and uh, and I enjoyed it
2: nick future i've seen you you obviously like travelling um you like photography um i follow you on social media well, what's next for nick after cricket
4: very good question i think that transition period when you start thinking about it is a tough one you know you you do get you get a lot of doubts you start wondering what the future holds um you know I've got a lot of passions and, and no doubt travelling, photography are, are passions are hobbies um, I enjoy being on the show talking to you Goffey, to be honest with you um, <laughs> so these kind of things are, are things that I'm interested in I also have a passion for performance um, and for really you know, you know I've spent my whole life trying to self-improve and, and work on yourself and you know potentially being involved in a team in, I don't know what shape or form that would be but to really try and help young players um, move themselves on potentially in a mentoring capacity you know these are things that I am interested in I also have an interest in, in potentially business a bit of property so look I think it's out there to explore. I think at some point you have to take a, a leap of faith and you have to to get out there and see what uh, what it is you can do. And I'm hoping that testimonial year gives me more of an opportunity to get into the city to integrate myself with with, with people who have who have done you know inverted commas real jobs for a living, which is scary. I mean, it, it is scary um, being in the game for for this length of time. But uh, you, you know the runs will dry up. The that the pads are going to have to be put away at some point. So um, a lot to explore in the coming months and years. Mm. Well, it's been
1: absolutely fascinating exploring a little bit of it for the last hour or so, Nick. And Really appreciated your time on the show. Uh, and, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, how the season t- takes place. Uh, testimonial and all. Um, but, yeah, thanks so much for joining us.
4: Oh, thanks for having me, thanks, guys. Think- it's been good fun.
2: Brilliant. Uh,
1: and that's pretty much all we've got time for, Goffy. I tell you what, first hour was uh, just us being angry. Second hour, much more laid back. And uh, I think uh, it was quite a nice contrast, to be honest. Uh, just a reminder to the listeners out there, TalkSport2, the place to be every Monday night from 8, Daryl Goff's Cricket Week, as Goffy and myself, uh, as you've heard tonight, discuss and debate all the biggest cricket stories. And you can also listen to TalkSport2 and on DAB, online and via the TalkSport app and we're available online as a podcast. So uh, go to iTunes, uh, subscribe to the show, and leave us a review. That includes you, Nick. Uh, but, that, but that is pretty much it, Goffy. Uh, this time uh, next week, uh, we'll be able to reflect on that second test match. Still be going on in Christchurch, maybe. unless you're going we get bowled out for 57. Um, but uh, that's pretty much it for this week. Thanks for listening, and you've been listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2.